Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Gird your loins. It's time to go on vacay. Hey guys, welcome back to vacay. I'm your host, Lisa Hamilton. This week's guest is a very special friend of mine. It's my former MTV TRL co-host, Angus O'Loughlin. You would know him also as the host of the Hit Weekend Breakfast Show. He has a really fantastic podcast with Dylan Alcott called Listenable. And very recently, something huge happened in his life. He became a father to a precious little girl called Indy with his partner, Emily. So huge congratulations to them. I got Angus on the podcast to chat about how life has changed now that he's a parent. Obviously, once you become a parent, you can't really travel the way that you used to. So we chatted about mourning the loss of, of travel as a, as a carefree, child-free individual. Um, and as I'm saying that, yeah, that sounds really depressing, but I promise the episode is really fun and we have a great time. And he also imparts some wisdom as a, as a new parent and what it's like to just simply leave the house and all the things you've got to do. So I hope you enjoy. Angus O'Loughlin, it is so nice to see you again. Welcome to Vacay. Thank you very much, Lisa K. Hamilton. Um, also, from the offset, I would like to say thank you for allowing me to be 43 minutes late for this. Well, look, a lot of things have changed in your life, and I'm not going to hold it against you because you're a freaking dad now. Mm. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, five-week-old Indiana Rose O'Loughlin is in the world, and I'm constantly reminded every two hours of that by her need for milk. Which you can't provide, but I'm sure you're being the best dad that you can be right now. Well, actually, um, Emily, my partner, is uh, breastfeeding and expressing. So I do get to be the dad that holds the bottle. So we are sharing the responsibility of uh, feeding her throughout the night and day. Look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. This is a huge change from the last time that I saw you. Yeah, which was backstage in the green room when we were hosting TRL and we were dicking around telling stories that mm-hmm. probably aren't appropriate for absolutely the not. Of, we both the rest of the world. <laughs> any job we're currently in and all future endeavors. And then next minute you're having a baby. That's. Is that a big change for you, like, just to go from, you know, being one of, you know, the the greatest presenters that Australia has oh my and God, hilarious. full-time dad? That's very, obviously, a joke and sarcastic. Um, but yes, it, it was a huge change, uh, lifestyle-wise. And it's funny, you did see the transformation because um, the first few episodes of uh, MTV TRL, I was single. Um and we did 10 episodes over 10 weeks and probably the back end of that probably five weeks I had, you know, locked in Emily um, as, a, as my girl, first girlfriend in a bunch of years. Uh, and so, yeah, you did see, you know, um, a little bit of a change through me. And, uh, yeah, my life's obviously changed dramatically since having the baby. So she's a lockdown wonder. Uh, we obviously got pretty busy early on in lockdown in March. Um what else and are you going to do? Exactly right. So it was a hard lockdown here in <laughs> Melbourne. So 
you know, drink wine and, and obviously make babies was on the uh, agenda. And then unfortunately for Emily, um, she couldn't drink wine. So Aww. I took up both responsibilities of, um, of that ownership of that role. So uh, yeah, we, we cooked her over lockdown and surprised everyone kind of on the way, um, on the way out of the house. And now she's here. And I mean, obviously I've only seen her through your socials, but she just looks so adorable. So I'm really yeah. happy for you. Yeah. Thank you very much. She's, um, She's a perfectly average child, which sounds like I'm meaning that in a rude way, but it's actually incredible because uh, not everyone gets an average run at this. And uh, I'm very happy for our stories to be very non-particularly different, um, which I think in itself was a blessing for any parent who's had a difficult sleeper or... Um, any troubles along the way so far even though I'm only five weeks into it yeah I mean maybe I'll check back in with you in a year and you'll be like yeah, I'll have Oof. gray hair <laughs> now listen I never thought that I'd be coming to Angus O'Loughlin for um parenting tips and, and advice. still don't <laughs> run while you can Lise I recently got engaged yeah and you know that could be on the cards for me in the future you yep. know Fingers crossed. So I wanted to talk to you about traveling with a child and more broadly how your lifestyle changes when you Mm. have a child. So have there been any instances where, you know, the whole dynamic of just leaving the house Mm -hmm. has become completely different? I I was very lucky uh, in my life up until, you know, 31. I'm 32 now. But um, up until this point, to live a very jet-set lifestyle. So I think uh, before coming on this podcast, I looked and I, I think I've been about 35 international trips. Um, a few of them for work. I'd say like at least 15 of them would be um, overseas for work, which would be, you know, interviewing um, uh, musicians, artists, celebrities sort of thing for the radio show that I was doing at the time. Um, the rest would just be, you know, I, I was single for such a long time that, I jet set it across the world um, on holidays because radio. It's a, I don't know why, but we get unbelievable holiday breaks, and so I get I would get like five or six weeks at the end of the year, and I would take that as a Europe trip or you know a long time in America, um, Southeast Asia stuff like that, Japan. So, uh, and then the uh, there was a it was about four months into the pregnancy that I realised that it's gonna be years before that sort of travel happens again. I'm mm. sure there might be some parents listening going, oh no, you could travel tomorrow, Dale. Not really. Um, not not the way that I used to, for sure. And uh, not the way that I, I guess I thought I would want to. Um, everything changes once you have a bub. So, I, I mean, obviously there's so much incredible change. Um, but there's also you know, quite sad change as well. Like, you know, you, I, I kind of, want to leave a memorial or a wake for the trips that I used to do, you know, like you can't get in a a floating tube and go down, you know, a river in Vietnam holding four beers, you know. (laughs) Um, But you don't ever, I guess you didn't really know when that last trip was going to be because obviously pandemic as well. And then, you know, you made this decision to have a child but it's like when was the last single boy angus holiday that you had can you remember that yeah i do uh i wasn't technically single uh emily and i had started dating but i'd locked in a uh holiday before we'd started dating um so it was just after mtv so it was july it must have been 2019 and i went to uh san sebastian barcelona 
Madrid, and then back home. So I did Spain. Uh, and I did it with a high school friend of mine, Jess, who lives over in London, um, and her friend as well, who's from Victoria. And um, it was amazing. Uh, and it was like, you know, San Sebastian is one of my truly, like, an incredible place. It, I, it wasn't my suggestion, Jess, like, we're going here. I'm like, never, I, I'd heard of it, but I hadn't really paid attention to it. And next minute, you know, I'm walking through this old, beautiful Stonehenge town, um, you know, going into tiny little bars. And you can't say dive bars because they're beautiful and elegant and and, and old and historic and uh, drinking spritzes and eating beautiful, like, beef cheek and, and calamari. And um, and getting no hangovers. Yeah, I, well, I don't know. I think I did too much to, <laughs> to not experience a hangover when I'm on holiday. But um, that would have been nice. But that was my last trip. And Barcelona. Did you hit the super clubs in Barcelona? I'm not a club guy, at least. That's how I knew I was getting old. I um, I, I went to Vegas uh, maybe, uh, yeah, it was, it was my 30th birthday. and Oh, was this in conjunction with uh, Coachella? when you went to Coachella? Yeah. Yeah, I heard all about this backstage. Yeah, yeah. Oof. So did I just, we Coachella was huge, heaps of fun, and then... Vegas was afterwards, I and mean, you're all pretty wrecked after Coachella. And then, yeah, I, uh, we went to a club and saw Drake, and then um, that was amazing. But the second Drake got off stage, I was like, "Get me to bed! Like, <laughs> I am done. I have no. There was no like euphoric atmosphere to continue partying till seven a.m. and not know what the time <laughs> was. I was like, looking at my watch, like, and I am three hours past where I want to be. I want to be in bed." And that was probably the moment that I realised... The writing was on the wall. Yeah, super clubs aren't for me. I don't think I'll ever return. <laughs> that is really interesting that you... I know you're kind of half joking, but mourning the loss of those yeah, no, holidays not, that you can't joking. go on. No. And I de- that's actually really resonated with me. Like, I feel really sad about the fact that, you know, in the future you won't get to have those experiences that are solely for you mm-hmm. and... I mean, it's and for for people who love traveling, that's a really. I mean, I know it's a fact of life, but yeah, wow, that's just really. Yeah, no, I wasn't joking. It's 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 completely a funeral for your lifestyle that was, and everything changes for the fact that like to get to San Sebastian, for example, was thirty four hours of travel. It could have been less, but I'm a little bit of a tight ass when it comes to money, and I think I'd save like six hundred bucks by going on an extra flight through whatever country. Um, and the realization is I, I can never do a, a plane trip that has four connections. There's no way I could take a baby or even a toddler or would want to. I mean, it's not even if you could, would you really want to drag a baby to San Sebastian? Um, the location itself is perfectly fitting for a family and you could do family things there, but to get there, nah. And there's no way in the world that I could, from now on, all of our travel will include looking at flight durations, um, any layovers, minimize the layovers. Uh, you know, I, I, I haven't really thought that, that far into it, but there's no chance that I could do some of those trips until you get to that point that I don't know what he, I don't even know what age she has to be. And then the other thing is I also, I, I probably want two kids. So therefore I'm looking at prolonging this another few years, you know, even if she's five and maybe ready, I might have a two-year-old and I have to wait another three years before. So we're looking at another 20 years before you can get back to San Sebastian. Seriously. 
Seriously. I, but you know what? It might be some sort of celebration. Is that a single tear running down your, your not cheek? A single, it's a flow of tears. <laughs> uh, that journey when you're crossing over to Europe yeah. is, and I say this coming from a place of privilege, and I'm so lucky that I've been able to travel to Europe many times, it's fucked. Yeah. That the. And I'm always obviously tra- traveling economy and then you're stopping over in Dubai or Bangkok. Mm. And I-, I distinctly remember every single time that I do that that journey, you see the parents with the kids. Yeah. And it, no matter how filthy you are sitting in your like 15 hour of disgusting filth, you just look over at the parents and they're like, They've gone to a really dark place. Yeah. And they're like, they've got a kid that's like got spew on them. And I just go, oh. Well, that's the other thing is my mind, your mindset changes. So you've, that's, that, that's nice because you can be empathetic to that situation. I think up until, I probably before indie, but maybe my 30s, and I'm, you know, 33 in a couple of months. Um, my mindset was, oh, God, baby near me. Oh, could this flight get any worse? To all of a sudden, especially now since having Indy, is um, you know, this sympathy for the situation because that's probably the time that they've gone. All right, we're going to try for this, and it's probably seen family. I can't imagine somebody electing to go over to Europe with a toddler. No. Um, it, it would usually be, for example, my sister. Uh, her partner Leo is French. So his family had not seen my uh, niece Zephy, and she was eighteen months old. They finally saved enough money. Uh, and they flew over. But once again, they flew over way prematurely than they would want to, but to see his family. So um, I kind of put myself now literally in their seat and um, can have more empathy for the situation they're in. So do you have any travel coming up planned? Yes, yeah, yeah, we do. We've got our first trip. So it's actually an interesting one. Um, we're flying on April 17, uh, except here's the, uh, the caveat. We're traveling separately. So... Emily's brother is having his 30th birthday in Sydney. We're in Victoria. And I'm running the gauntlet with my radio breakfast show, which is on weekends, to make... Uh, they're going on like a little a, a little boat, just the family. Um, and it leaves at 2 o'clock from the harbour. And my radio show finishes in Melbourne at 9am. Um, I'm getting straight in an Uber, straight to the airport. I've got a 10 o'clock flight. I'll land 11.25, fingers crossed, and I'll meet them straight down at the wharf. But of course, you don't want that pressure of um, to be putting that on Emily. So she's flying the day before on the Friday. Um, so that's going to be a different experience. Uh, thankfully, I'm going to be with her to the airport. We're going to, I'll check in all the, the pram, um, everything. So she's just going to have her little baby carrier and herself. Uh, and then on the other side, one of her family is going to be there to do the exact same role. So hopefully it's um, it goes well for her. But uh, Is she the nervous? Way- uh, I don't think she's nervous. No, I think she's super excited to see her family because we haven't seen them all yet um, because of lockdown laws and uh, and various other like health reasons within family and stuff like that. So um, she's really excited to see everyone. So I don't think I think that outweighs the nervousness of it. Uh, but on the way back, we are flying together, and uh, we have got Emily a business class seat, um, and I am in economy. Um, yes, and, yeah, I love that for her. Yeah, yeah, do you? Uh, <laughs> now we just, I just want her to have, you know, especially for this first trip, um, everything's so brand new, like going out of the door for the, with a pram for the first time was new and, it, and, and actually like a little bit nerve wracking as much as it is exciting. So, um, to really mitigate, mitigate that, 
um, fear of, you know, being that parent with a screaming baby. We've just got her in business. There's a bit more room on and off first, um, just trying to minimize what we can at the start, and then we'll be all back to 26F. So can I ask you about packing? Obviously, it's a, it's a month away, yeah. but with domestic flights, we've become accustomed to just having a little carry-on mm. and you know, most Not people. Anymore, yeah. So, what are we talking? Like additional yeah. baggage? How many bags are we going to pack? Well, you're packing a pram. Now, you don't have to pack a pram um, if you've got one on the other side, for example. Like you could probably. I mean, I think it would probably be smarter to reach out to a friend in a different state and just say, "Hey, has anyone got a pram?" Um, but we're packing a pram. Uh, <laughs> uh, once again, you don't argue as a dad; you just agree. So there will be a pram. Yep. Very uh, smart. Yep. Pack that down. Amazing <laughs> technology how they pack prams down though, just FYI. So there's Yeah, it gets it's nice and compact. That's helpful. Yeah. Uh there's also uh Emily will have her own bag. So back in the day, Emily would have a carry-on size little suitcase that she would put her stuff in for a three, four, five day trip. Now we're taking a suitcase because we're got Emily and that's not even including me. Emily will have her stuff. Then, of course, we've got baby stuff. But on top of baby stuff, I'm talking clothes, um, etc. We're going to be taking nappies. Uh, what else have we got here? There's nappies. There's creams. Um, there's... Toys. She's not really into. She's not a toy toy person yet. Um, she's more sophisticated than. Oh that. yeah, exactly. Uh, there's just like things. I can't explain the baby. Like there's wraps. Um, there's comforters, there's dummies. Yeah, you uh, need to be bottles. prepared for everything, right? Yeah, bottles of milk. Um, so there's just like, it's just stuff. Uh, so there'll be a, a big suitcase that'll go down with the pram. So to give you the a quick rundown, it's going from a small suitcase that you would put above your um, self on the plane to two 20 kilo items downstairs. <laughs> so it's a huge, huge change. So you've really taken on baggage in more ways than one. Like uh, emotional baggage, baggage <laughs> under my eyes and on a plane domestically. Yeah. I I think that must come with being a parent, like just knowing that you need all of those things. I was babysitting my little cousin the other day and she's three. Mm-hmm. So a little bit older, but uh, her mum said, by all means, take her to the park. And I said, great, that'll be a a nice little thing to keep her occupied. And one of my best friends who has a daughter that's two came over because I was like, it'd be nice to do a little play date. And also I'm terrified and might need a little bit of backup. Sure. And as we're leaving, she was like, you're just going to hold her hand and just (laughs) walk out the door. I was like, what's, is that not what she's like? All right, we're going to need the pram hat. Have you got S-N-A-C-K-S, spelt it because if you say the word, then they go fucking nuts. Have you got sunscreen? Have you got nappies? Have you got like a change of clothes? Have you got all this? And I was like, 100% no. And I was was out of my depth completely. So that's on a very small scale, understanding what you're about to go through. And we haven't, yeah, we haven't actually done it yet. We haven't actually packed those bags. What we have done is the pram walk. So we've done that. And yeah, it was, we actually did a trip down... Um, to Torquay, where I grew up, where my mum is, for my sister's birthday lunch. And that was, to be perfectly, it's quite an ordeal. So we didn't know how much we'd need. Um, so, yeah, we overpacked. So, yeah, it was like six nappies for like three hours. Um, I think she maybe went through one. Uh, 
it was like two bottles of milk um, in like cooler bags. Uh, it was wraps, pram, and then we've also got the baby capsule. So that's in the car. So uh, our baby capsule is a ripper and you can take it out of the car. So it clicks in and out. And so uh, we, she was sleeping really well when we got there to Torquay. So we took her out of the um, capsule and took that into the restaurant with the pram. Um, and we overcooked it a bit. So when we got there, my sister, who's got a pretty newborn, um, she's got a girl called Maeva now. She's got a, my niece, Zephy, who went to France. She's like three now. And then Maeva's about five months. And Hannah just looked at us and was like, rookies. Uh, but yeah, so she, like... she tell you to calm down a little bit? No, no, no. She's, she's been there. I think you've, I think you've got to do that as a, as a first-time parent. It's, um, that's why they say the second is so much easier because you just... It, everything's a lot less uh, anxious and, and worrisome. It's a lot more chill. Yeah, I imagine you've got, you've got a little bit more confidence. Yeah. Just leaving the house. Have you had any... Um, have you had any nappy poo explosion since you've been once you've left the house um no no she's um she's pretty ordinary in that respect which is great the first poo is pretty crazy um I'm, I'm, do you know about the first poo no what's the first poo i'm gonna google i'm gonna google the name of it um so it's like the first it? shit that they do yeah it's called uh there is meconium is what it is okay i won't go into what it is because it doesn't really matter but it's a black tar poo and that's quite um that's quite uh, crazy because it's like all babies are the same. It's like whatever gunk they've survived on is basically pushed through for the first time, and it's literally like black sticky tar. Um, so it's like they've been in there for nine months. It's like the dust on the walls. It's the everything. It's that was what in it, pipes. Yeah, it's not milk. It's like whatever. Yeah, it's just clearing everything out. It's like getting like a, one of those wire brushes and putting it down a pipe and just giving it a good scrape. So, um, but luckily the midwives took care of those first two, but I did poke my head over the shoulder and went, oh gosh. (laughs) It's uh, quite impressive that that comes out of a tiny little baby. I know. That's the most, that's the craziest thing is just how ridiculous the human body, especially the female body obviously is. And just, and how life was created. I mean, I, I, obviously I knew it because I am a, I was a child. I was, we all were. Um, but you know, (laughs) until you go through that process, it's just a huge eye opener as to what the female body is capable of um but yeah oh yeah the first poo is uh the meconium it's a it's a, it's a real welcome to parenthood and uh rumor has it you've kept that and framed it on the wall there is some weird things that people do keep in those um wait those, really uh, yeah well you know people keep so i you know someone might correct me if they're listening if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure back in our days um we and i'm not putting you in the same age bracket as me but i'm pretty sure in that like yeah, it's. I don't know when this happened, but they used to tie the belly button. Oh like, do you yeah, know you've got like a belly button, and if you look at it, it's like got a little knot in the middle. Yeah. So now they just clamp it, and so you have the clamp for till it falls off. Um, and some people keep the clamp. Uh, belly also... buttons make me feel really funny. I got to be honest <laughs> with you. It really. Oh, it's it's. Oh, I don't know. What's well, weird because I don't know if she's going to have an Audi or an Innie. Uh, at the moment, it's just kind of there. Oh, and so. that chain and that really decides your future as well. One hundred percent, one hundred percent. But yeah, then uh, what's the other thing? Obviously, the placenta, which we would just like chuck it in the bin, champ. Um, <laughs> there are some weird things, and then uh, Emily did keep, which is sort of cute. She kept the 
uh, baby tag. So as soon as she's born... Oh, I like that. That's cute. Yeah, as soon as she's born, um, like I'm talking like within 10 minutes, they put a band with like, you know, uh, probably Emily's name, Emily's, uh, Emily Hanlon around her foot or arm. And, um, and therefore it's just so mum also has the same one so that you don't get your babies mixed up. Oh, fuck yeah. Like back in the 70s. Yeah. Babies just Chucking getting them in switched a nursery around. Just hoping you got the same one back. Yeah, because um, they yeah. don't have nurseries anymore, right? Like they don't they have. They do. Well, they do. They for, do? Yeah, they do. For, we went through an obstetrician. So you pay extra for that. You can go through public hospital. And of course, Australia's got an incredible healthcare system. So um, that's probably and is fine. Uh, and my, majority of parents go through that. But um, with our, this time being our first, we just wanted to get an obstetrician. So uh, having an obstetrician means that you will have him through or her throughout the whole process. Um, and so you'll meet with them, you'll have constant checkups with them, and then they'll be the person that's there on the delivery day. Uh, and it does cost, a, it, it depends, but it costs a few thousand dollars. Um, but with that uh, comes more time in the hospital. So usually with public hospitals, especially now because COVID, there were so many babies. They haven't been this busy in like 30 years. Um, with public hospitals, they're like, you know, congratulations, see ya. And so you can be out. Like if it's your second kid, you're out within a day. Like you're gone. Um, like hours. Listen, my mom went to a wedding the day that she gave birth to my older sister. Crazy, right? I mean, if you, it's, the more kids you have, obviously, the easier the process is. But first oh, yeah, they parents, were sliding out of my mom at that point. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we had a few days. Uh, so we had five days at the hospital, which is the standard. They give you five days at the hospital. So you stay together in a double bed. Um, and it's just bonding time with the fan band. But you have midwives and pediatricians around you and... Uh, at night time, you can send them off to the nursery and a midwife will take care of your baby overnight. So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Great process. Then I found out there's 14 babies in there. And I was like, okay, I get why you've got the tags on you. Which one is mine again? Yeah. I actually wondered if I could have gone in there and picked her out, which I think I could have, but I didn't get the opportunity to. Would have been a fun little guessing game for the Instagram. Now, I know you're being a bit modest, but, you know, I think you're doing a great job of being mm. a dad thus far, even though it's five weeks in. What would be your number one tip for new parents or maybe expectant parents, whether that be something to do with traveling or not? I'm yep. just, you, whatever, whatever advice you want to dole out. Um, I, look... It's a, I think it's a good trait and it also can be a bad trait, but I can be quite unemotional. Um, and let me justify that for a second, but I'm not like, you know, I definitely cry when she was born. Like I'm not like, I'm not like a heartless, cold blooded monster. Um, but I can take, I can strip back any sort of emotion to be a bit more logistical about a process of something like traveling. So I don't need any. So when it comes down to picking things that, uh, you know, Emily and I might disagree on her taking. Um, I can be like, do we really need this? Tell me the circumstances that we need it instead of packing it um, and just making more space. It's like when you go on a holiday and you pack 26 kilograms of clothes and then you end up using the same pair of board shorts and a singlet and you knew you were going to do that. And you knew every time and you're going to Ibiza and you're like, no, I probably need three sets of pants just for nights out. And then you go out and you realize not even going out, you realize no one wears pants out. It's all shorts. And Nude, so like, almost. You've got 14, 15 kilograms of untouched clothing. So um, I can kind of strip back that layers and maybe learn from my traveling mistakes, um, which I've made still to the last flight, um, and probably be a little bit more unemotional and, and a bit more logistical about the whole process. So, I, you know, I kind of encourage that because there can be 
a lot of stuff that needs to be taken when traveling and I try and pull back to the necessities of it. Sound advice there. And I asked my guests the golden ticket question, which yeah. is if tomorrow, and I'm not saying that like I don't want her to be here, but if there was no child in the picture, oh, yeah. if no work wasn't an dream. issue, if COVID wasn't an issue, where would you go tomorrow in the world? Um, no, I sort of thought I was ready for this. I listened to my good friend Maud Garrett's episode. Um, I think you know, part of me and the psyche wants to go somewhere different um, because it's just great to find somewhere new that you love. But when you love a place and you know it's going to be fantastic, that draw card is always so strong, if that makes sense. So I'm always torn up in my head, even you know before baby and Emily and, and you know bachelor days. I was always still torn up between just going back to Japan for the fifth time because I love it. Um, but then also I'm like, well, you've never been to Africa. So like you might love Africa as much as Japan. So I'm going to say a new location and risk it for the biscuit. Mm. Uh, I'm going to say Sweden. Oh. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. Um, I love cooler climates. I'm not a guy, so... You know, for a person who's been to Bali as many times as I have, I'm not the guy who lies next to a pool. I just don't have the patience. I also have the skin tone of a reflex piece of A4 paper. So even one time I got a tan and I worked (laughs) really hard for it, like really hard, least. Like I'm talking time on the towel. It was Bali with the boys... (laughs) I was 20. Always with the boys. Yeah, 22. And it was just a lot of time at the beach drinking beers and obviously shirts off. Now, that usually wouldn't be on my. I haven't. I don't travel often with many people. It'd be like two or three. But this was like seven of us. And so, what do you do when you've got a whole bunch of people who disagree on everything? Some people want to go to the Bali Waterbomb Park. Some people want to go to a beach club. Some people just want to sit by a pool. You end up just sitting by a pool because everyone's indecisive and you just drink beers. So. I got a tan and I came home and I remember this girl that I was like kind of seeing was like, oh my God, you look so good. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I do. Like unbelievable. And then a week later, gone back to, you know, just like that white guy Gus. So, uh, I'm not the, I'm not that guy. So I'm going to say sweet, too much, the way too much effort, way too much effort and not enough reward. Um, and so, yeah, I'm going to say sweet and cooler climate. Uh, I've got a couple of friends who are Swedish and they're beautiful people and so I'm basing the whole population off them. Um, and then there's just... You just some... want to be around that beauty. Yeah. Well, no, like, I mean, I, well, physically, yes. But I mean, like, as people, I, I seem to get along with Swedes well. You love tin fish? What? Oh, my hey, gosh. Yes. That eat that really stinky, stinky tin fish. fish. We're talking about this You'd the other day. You have to have it. Yeah, I would try it. I'm all about trying all that kind of delicacy stuff. I've done the snails and stuff like that and the frogs in France and all the different... I tried whale in Japan, which I deeply regretted. Ooh. Um, but I'm down for trying the delicacies of stuff. So for sure, yeah, I would course. try to Immersing yourself. Of course, in the culture. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something about Sweden that I think is, you know, that Nordic aspect of life I would like to explore a little bit. Um, I don't go too cultural on my trips. I'm not that guy who goes and visits a museum. Um, but I think I would certainly bring more of the aspect of culture with Sweden into it. Totally. And like, it's so, travel is subjective. I don't, I don't like travel snobs. Like, you you go and you experience something 
the way that you want to, mm. like obviously being respectful of the place that you're in. But like, if you don't want to go see museums, don't go see museums, like experience it the way that feels meaningful to you. Yeah, exactly. I hate like, you know, you come back from, you know, fr- France and someone goes, oh my God, how good's Notre Dame? And you're like, I didn't go. And they're like, what? <laughs> oh my God. Then why, what was the purpose of your trip? It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life. And I'm like, well, guess what? I, I got nude underneath the Eiffel Tower and ate a whole baguette and cheese. Like, did you do that? Oh my God, you missed out. That's well, it, you've missed your opportunity as well. Notre Dame's half burnt down. Yeah, that is true. And is that in, it is in France, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I did see it in passing. I was like, oh, that's, that's it. I yeah. By accident. Yeah. But just on Sweden, you know, something that I've always wanted to do is go to Lapland and go, uh, and stay like in a proper like ice yeah. hotel with the yeah, dogs the and travel like around. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that would. That be, seems um, magical. I think so as well, and um, it's close to the Northern Lights as well. So mm. I don't know whether I would kind of venture down that way um, and try and see that. I think I probably would, um, but that's like whale watching. I think from my the experiences of what I've heard, it's like you know. You go out on the boat and like 20% of the time you don't, you see them and 80% of the time you don't, you just get a cheese sandwich and a can of Fanta. So, you know, it's a lot, it's a big commitment to go to try and see the Northern Lights, but you know, you probably get there and just see the dark, it's, it's the tour guy probably goes, oh, did you guys see that? Oh, you, you missed it. Blah, there, there it was, guys. Um, and yeah. their little assistants are behind a rock flashing some green torches. Like, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. So those look like those Hollywood-style lights in the, over that rock. <laughs> yeah, sometimes this time of year they come out like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what it looks like. That's you what happens. Looks different to Google. Yeah. All right, Angus, can I give you a little minute to blow up your spot? Where can people find you? Where can people uh, listen to you? What's your handle? Oh, uh, thank you. Um, I am doing a weekend breakfast show with uh, Dylan Orcott across the country. Um, on the Hit Network. So wherever you hear Carrie and Tommy, that station. Um, I have a podcast with Dylan Orcott called Listenable, where we profile the lives of people living with or affected by disability, but in a cool way. Uh, like, you know, we don't, it's not like some boring medical way. We kind of ask questions that seem off limits, but are all about inclusion. Um, and Angus underscore OL on the socials. Uh, that's where you'll find me. Come say hello and let's talk holidays. And uh, congratulations to you on this podcast. I, uh, I'm really glad you got it up and running. You talked to me early days on Instagram about the concept of it, but a lot of people, the, now that I'm in the podcast space and have been for every year, it's amazing how many people have a great idea and never conceptualize it. So congratulations to you, darling. I think it's a great idea. And uh, I think Qantas, Virgin, Jetstar, not Tiger, uh, would be stupid not to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I, I hope they're listening in and um, I, her, really appreciate, <laughs> I really appreciate you um, taking the time to do this. I know how hectic uh, life has been for you it over has the past been. few weeks. I did so. send you, we're meant to talk at 10.30am and I did send you a video of me on the couch feeding my young child. So sorry for the delay. That's that's life. And that was a that was apology enough. It was very cute. And yeah. you know, likewise, I just think you are doing such an amazing job um, with your podcast with Dylan Alcott. Uh, I think you guys are actually making real meaningful change in uh, helping the wider community uh, with these issues and and how best to yes yeah, speak to people who have disability. So I think you're doing such a great job and you know, I'm always such a fan of you. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm a huge fan of you and flex. One of the two, <laughs> of the, you flex and Ash 
some of the most talented people, not women, I've ever worked with. Um, we had such a good crew. Oh, I was the best. Uh, I would like to suggest somebody, uh, or not something directly, uh, but I would like to suggest a thing for you to do uh, in the yes. theme of my podcast, is you should chat to someone with a disability about how they travel. Um, yes. So actually, I really want to get Dylan on here as well. Oh, yeah. But Dylan's not that interesting. I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way, but his story, there's some really remarkable disability stories about how they travel. Um, yeah. Dylan's got some crazy stories about um, they forgot to put his chair. There's an aisle chair uh-huh. and they forgot to put it. So he had to crawl down the aisle going to Fiji oh, once. Fuck. Yeah, so he had to go 14 like, on his hands because um, he's still 60 kilos. So the flight attendants couldn't travel. So he does have cool stories for sure. But I, I might send some suggestions of some um, high level disability uh, and how people yeah, have to travel. Because it's, it's mind blowing. And once again... Not boring, not medical based, just like this is how they live their lives. We get to get up, you know, we can get, if we can catch a flight in an hour if we really wanted to. These guys, they, they, could, they couldn't do it. It takes such a huge process and people to help them. So that would be, uh, I think, a cool angle for Vacay. 100%. I, it's um, definitely on my list. So I really cool. would appreciate it. But I will suggest it to Dylan, but I can basically not get him on our own podcast. So good luck. I have to remind <laughs> him that we're recording today, like every single time. Like, hey, you ready? He's like, oh man, I've got tennis. I've got this. I'm like, we have somebody waiting, champ. <laughs> what a beautiful partnership you it have. It is. It is. <laughs> All right. Well, um, congratulations again. And thank, thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Thanks for thinking of me. Really appreciate it. Love you. Mm-hmm.